Words matter. The name you give things, it forms them when you speak. You must always be careful with your words. It's your girl, Skylar Esna, and welcome back to Stories Be Told, y'all. Welcome back to Stories Be Told. It's your girl, Skylar Esna, and today's amazing story is Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Ronhorst. Y'all, this book, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about books, and especially books like this. I, I thought I knew where the book was going. I thought I knew what we were gonna do. Huge switch, huge change. And the fact that I didn't know it was a sequel, it was a, um, it was a series book when I started, really threw me off. So not only is, was this book amazing, this book is a part of a series. So I know this is the second book, but I was not prepared. I was not prepared, okay? So Rebecca's, um, most of her books feature Navajo characters and this book is no different. It was absolutely amazing. I was thrown off. I thought I knew where we were going and then we took a sharp turn left. It was amazing. Also, if you know me, you already know I love a good fantasy. I love a good post-apocalyptic world. That's exactly what we are given here. Oh, I just love it because you never know. And lastly, Miss Rebecca has written a plethora of books, including a graphic novel for Marvel. And if you know me, I love Marvel. So go check all her stuff out. So grab your snacks, grab your tea, and grab your bestie because here we go. Today's summary comes from Goodreads.com, and I'm gonna try my best to say somebody's words. I'm sorry for messing up. Ah, I'm so sorry. While most of the world has drowned beneath the sudden rising waters of a climate apocalypse, Denia, formerly known as Navajo Reservation, has been reborn. The gods and heroes of legend walk the land, but so do the monsters. Maggie Hokosi is a Denia monster hunter, a supernaturally gifted killer. When a small town needs help finding a missing girl, Maggie is their last and best hope. But what Maggie uncovers about the monster is much larger and more terrifying than anything she could imagine. Maggie reluctantly enlists the aid of Kai Arviso, an unconventional medicine man, and together, they travel to the res to unravel clues from ancient legends, trade favors with tricksters, and battle dark witchcraft in a patchwork world of deteriorating technology. As Maggie discovers the truth behind the disappearances, she will have to confront her past if she wants to survive. Welcome to the sixth world. Whoa, all right. Whoo! Let me sit back, let's strap in here. Okay, trigger warning, there is violence, there is murder and a whole lot of trauma. Um, prepare yourselves accordingly. I am not gonna go too, too deep to where it's like, oh no, I can't, but it's a lot, it's a lot in there. Also, I am gonna, again, ask you guys for grace. Some of these names I do not know how to pronounce correctly. Uh, some of the words I don't know how to pronounce correctly, but I'm going to do my very best. I did my research. You know I do my research. I'm so sorry. People are moving above me. They're moving a lot above me. So if you hear some squeaking, that's the folks above me. 
So here's the tea. We hop right in with our main character in the town of Lukashikai. Lukashikai. I wrote the pronunciations. I'm getting better at this. In Lukashikai, a monster has taken the child. And the Denai, um, also known as the people, also known as the Navajo reservation, the Navajo people, they are gathered in support for the family who lost their child. Somebody was kidnapped by a monster. It's not looking good. They've tried everything, but they can't go into these mountains because these mountains are really, really bad at night. You just don't go up there. So they go get Maggie. Maggie is the monster hunter that everybody knows about, right? She claims she is no hero, but she is this family's last resort to find the missing girl. People are talking behind her back, whispering about her, and Maggie pretends not to care, but she really does. So automatically off the top, poor Maggie. She done been through something. We don't know what she been through right now, but she been through something, okay? So the family offers her payment that she doesn't think is worth a lot. And she's like, mm, if you give me more, then yeah, I'll go do it. And then they're talking about her like, how do we know she can really even get her back? How do we know she's really a princess of Nezgahani, who is a, a legendary, immortal god? Yes. Nezgahani is an immortal god who is the son of the sun and somebody else, another goddess. I believe so. Yes. Is that Nezgahani? That's Nezgahani. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did my research, folks. I did the research. I'm trying to come at y'all with like the best I got okay I'm trying to do my absolute best so when they they bring up Nezgahani Maggie has a reaction and I'm like okay what's what's the story between you and Nezgahani so apparently Nezgahani the immortal monster slayer he abandoned her and we don't know why she doesn't know why nobody knows that he left her but she is hurt when you say the name Nezgahani. So I don't know what happened, but we'll find out later. You probably will find out when you read the book. I haven't decided if I'm going to tell you or not. So people are arguing. Can she really do it? I'd rather go myself. No, you can't go because it's so dangerous. I want to risk your life. But they're willing to risk Maggie's life. Okay. And then the mother who's been quiet this whole time, she asks Maggie, are you like Nezgahani? Maggie replies with her first clans, her two first clans. And apparently she is considered to be one of the four original Navajo clans and her clan power, she has clan powers. So one of her clan powers is that she's really fast, like superhuman fast. And the other one is living arrow she has living arrow which means she has a bloodlust to kill she is an amazing killer like she can look at a situation and see all the ways to kill you and that bloodlust she controls it very well but when it's an action whoo that's a dangerous game right there that's a dangerous game right there so Maggie goes up the mountain and she finds the monster. And this is a monster she's never seen before. The thing looks weird. 
weird. So she does her thing. She fights it. It does not go down like she thought it would. So she keeps going and going and she eventually gets the monster, takes his head, you know? As you should. You don't just kill something. You have to really make sure it's dead. That's only fair. We see that um, the little girl is alive, but the monster tried to like, is this too graphic for me to tell? Okay, so it is, it is. So the monster did some damage to the girl and she has really bad injuries. She's alive. She's, she's um, aware of what's going on, but she has really bad injuries, right? Maggie tells the little girl, even if you physically heal, she'll have to fight the infection. The infection being the evil that is now inside of her because this monster infected her with his evil and it will turn her into something that hurts people. She told the little girl to close her eyes and then she, um, she took the little girl's head. When I get later on in the book, I see why Maggie has this state of mind. But let me tell you right now, I personally believe if Maggie would have let that little girl live, that little girl would have been just fine. She would have been just fine. So that just makes me very upset because there was no reason to kill that little girl. She could have lived and been just fine. That made me very, very upset. Whew, I did not see that coming. And that was in the very beginning of the book. So I know, that's how I knew this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one because I did not see it coming. And so we continue. So Maggie takes the head of the little girl back to the family so they can have something to bury. She doesn't tell them that she found, that she found her alive and that she took her head. Which I would kind of find weird if I see my daughter's head is cut and not like ripped off, but that's me. Well, no, she did have those injuries. Anyway. Um, so Maggie takes the head of the monster and goes to see a man she calls Grandpa Ta. Now, Grandpa Ta is not her real grandpa, or is he from her clan, but he calls her daughter, and that's the closest thing that she has to family. So, I mean, I understand. I have an Auntie Ma. Auntie Ma is not blood-related to me, but I absolutely love my Auntie Ma. That's my homegirl. That's my baby. Hi, Auntie. I love you. And I have a whole bunch of mothers that are not my mom, but... Aunties, mommies, uncles, got them all, got them all. Huh? out. So after they catch up for a little bit, she shows him the head. And it's so weird because the face looks like it's drawn by a child. There is no rigor mortis. Like, you know, when you, if something dies, it stiffs up, right? And it's really hard to move it. No, this thing moved with ease. Like the, the mouth opened easily. The teeth were all molars, but it was a carnivore animal because it was trying to eat the little girl. So, oh, also the, it's brain. They cut open its head and saw the brain. Is that a little too much information? I'm sorry if it is, but the brain was normal. The monster wasn't natural. So they concluded this was made by some kind of dark witchcraft. Whoa, we making monsters now? We making monsters now? We got enough. We have enough to do in this world without making our own monsters. But I digress. Grandpa Ta is like, Maggie, you have got to figure out what's going on. Maggie's like, I can't do this by myself because I don't have Miss Kahani with me. 
I can't do this on my own. Grandma Tasha, you don't have to do it alone because I have the perfect partner for you. In walks Grandpa Ta's grandson, Kai. Now, Kai is in this really flashy suit. I don't understand why, because we're in a post-apocalyptic world and I've never seen, I lied, I have seen that in a book. But in this book, we're in the middle of what I'm assuming is like New Mexico. Why do we have on a flashy suit? Like teal, a teal suit with some silver shoes. I think something purple was in there. So it's, the outfit didn't fit the occasion. Okay, all right. This boy looks like something straight out of a boy band, basically, straight out of a boy band. And of course, Ty trying to be slick set her up because you know, she ain't got no family. But at the same time, grandpa, grandpa, leave it inside, leave it inside. I don't know what it is about folks trying to hook folks up, but let it go. However, I don't really, I don't get shocked when I see one character meet another character and I'll be like, they're probably gonna fall in love. But we'll continue on this book and we'll see. You can see for yourself what happens, you know? So Maggie is pulling Grandpa Todd to the side, like, this is not gonna work. Do you see him? Grandpa Todd's like, no, this is, he is in a big medicine man. He's a big medicine man. He's gonna help you, he's gonna be great. She's real skeptical. And he's, and um, Kai's looking at the monster on the table and he is spitting facts about this monster. He's like, yeah, we'll probably find more information um, over here at the library in Crown Point. And both of them stuck. So Maggie agreed, all right, he can come with me and be my travel person companion. He can help, he can help, but I'm not calling him my partner. Off the two went to Crown Point to a library. I love libraries. Oh, speaking of libraries, I got this in my public library. So go check yours out. Shameless plug, I I don't get any sponsorship from them, but you know, hey, you never know. You never know what's gonna happen one day, right? So on their way to Crown Point, a coyote comes across their path and Maggie gets a really bad feeling because um, that is bad luck. That is very bad luck for a coyote to cross your path. It means bad things are going to happen. And yes, they do. Yes, bad things do happen. I won't lie. Bad things happen. Oh, so while they're on their way, we see Kai and Maggie's polar opposite personalities. Kai's very, so tell me about yourself. What's going on? Ha ha ha. Maggie's like, please stop talking. Please stop talking. And I love to see that Maggie is the physically strong character and Kai is more of the spiritually strong, I don't give me a gun, I'm not gonna use that type character. I like seeing that because normally you don't get the man being the physically weaker of the two. I love to see, I love it. It's different, you don't see it, so I like to see it. But Kai, I'm worried about Kai right now because Kai is like dangerously slick. Like he's a real flirt. Like not not in a way that I'm like, I'm worried for my safety, more of a way I'm worried for my heart. So Kai, I like you, but you're dangerous. Ooh, I don't like it. Yeah, I see a love happening here in the future between those two and I'm here for it. But let's just go ahead and like continue on. Let's continue. 
The two just made it to Crown Point and the town is massacred. There is not one soul alive. What happened? What happened? And not only that, Kai being um, a big medicine man, being a healer, he can see the souls of the people who have died. And they have to be very careful not to get too close to those souls because those souls could jump on them and then they can become sick, like physically, mentally sick. So very careful. But the whole town is playing, so we got to be absolutely careful here, you know? They find the library and of course it's abandoned. They see all of these things and posters and technology that was there before what's called the big water. So there apparently was a massive flood that took out most of the world. Climate change, climate change. And now there's a scarcity of fresh water. So the, the flood put two thirds of the continent underwater. I don't know, I don't know this for a fact, but someone help me. Isn't the world already two thirds water or is it not? I don't know. I really thought I heard somewhere it's two thirds water. I don't know things. But they talk about how bad climate change was and some of the events that happened that made it just terrible. So there were the Florida flooding, the California drought, the New Madrid earthquakes, the energy wars, and an incompetent government. Am I shocked? No. No, I'm not. I'm really not. Like all these these post-apocalyptic books, I can see that would that that could be a possibility. That sounds about right. So Kai said, even without the big water, bad things were going to happen. This book was written in 2018. So for those of you who are interested in that fact, there that goes. So Kai has a secret. We I saw it. We saw it before when like the coyote crossed the road, but we really see it with all these spirits around. So Kai, his eyes turned from brown to gray. Yeah, from brown to gray when he's in his supernatural powers. When he's like in his healing powers, right? Oh my gosh. We don't know why yet. We don't know what exactly his clan powers are. He hasn't really told us. But I'm assuming one of them at least has to do with like his healing abilities, his supernatural connection. His connection to the spiritual, I might say. So they're on the way home. They got the information that, that they need. And they're on to step number two. On the way to Maggie's house, lightning strikes. Which is weird because one, there are no clouds in the sky. Two, it hasn't rained in forever. So that only tells Maggie one thing. She has a visitor at her house. Why does the lightning tell you when it's a visitor? But okay. But... Oh, I can answer my question. Pick me. I can answer. Go, Skylar. Thank you. Nez Gahani does lightning. He does lightning. Okay? So she thinks Nez Gahani is at her house. Someone, when, when they pull up to the house, someone peeks out of the curtain and close it right back. She knows it is not Nez Gahani. She tells Kai, stay in the car. Come in in 15 minutes. And when you come in, have a gun. Kai's like, well, should you not be going in there if I need to follow behind you with a gun? She's like, no, he's pretty much harmless, but I want you to make a good impression when you walk in this house. So who is it? 
Oh, I'm sorry. You want to know who it is? <laughs> it's Coyote. Not a coyote like the one that crossed the road. It's um Mai. Mai is how you say coyote in the Navajo language. She calls him Mai, but she also calls him coyote. So they go back and forth. So I probably will do the same. Mai is the um the Navajo trickster god. Them trickster gods, there's something else. I do like studying um mythology of different cultures. Them trickster gods always be something else. They always something else because they're a little trickster. So this is a real frenemy situation, you know, because of course Maggie's not finna flip. She flips. She does flip in this set in this scene, but she is not tripping too hard that this man's in her house. Well, this coyote is in her house. Uh, she met them back before the big water in a dream and they were friends. It was a toxic friendship. I will tell you that. It was very toxic. And she is scared of him. She is actually scared of him. And he's kind of scared of her too. Like I said, a very toxic situation, but I digress. So during his visit, Coyote tells Maggie the story of the first man and the first woman and the sacred breath that brought life. Coyote wants Maggie to go to the canon of Shelley and collect the breath the sacred breath of life and he gives her feathered and dyed hoops they call them directional hoops i didn't really find too much about that exactly like them being called directional hoops but um there were five of them uh, there was one that was black represents the north the blue one represents the south the white represents the east the yellow represents the west and the multicolor one represents all directions. Now, all of these are dyed, these colors, and they are beautifully feathered. They're gorgeous, so says the book description, and I'm gonna believe the book description, okay? For payment, Coyote is offering Maggie whatever her heart desires most, and he is hitting some really hard points. He's not saying a new car, a new house, da-da-da. He's like, do you want me to find Nesgahani? Do you want to see him again? No, he has a soft spot. And then he brings up the little girl that she just had to kill. And we get a little bit of a scuffle. It's a little one. It's a little scuffle. And, um, oh, let me back up. Let me, let me get a little closer. Speaking of Nesgahani, I got to backtrack for a second. So Coyote suggests that Maggie should have or did sleep Nesgahani. Now let me break this down real quick. Let me break this down. Nesgahani found her when she was a kid. She wasn't like a kid kid, but she was like a teenager. Nesgahani is an immortal god. What makes you think that this man, this immortal god, is gonna touch this woman? That don't make no sense. It don't make the sense. It does not make the sense. So he was really down dirty for that. And Maggie was offended. How dare you think that he and I had that kind of relationship? And she snapped like, oh no, you don't talk about him like that. That was my teacher. That's the man that took me in. You don't do that. And he kind of came in. I think it was kind of bad timing, but it might've been good timing. Let's see. So Kai and Coyote become like besties. They're just kiki and they're having a great old time. And then Maggie's cooking dinner because Coyote's like, oh yeah, because you're not gonna send me away without cooking me dinner, are you? So she cooks dinner. So Coyote is telling Kai all these stories 
And Matthew thought that might not be a bad thing because, you know, you never know what they can find out from these stories about what's going on with these monsters and stuff, you know, because they still got to find what's going on with these monsters. Lots of good things happen in that little moment. Read the book. So Coyote leaves and Kai and Maggie are finna go to bed. But first, Maggie's like, oh, let me meet my... I want you to meet my dog. She has three dogs. I haven't seen them, but I thought they were cute. And Kai's like, aren't I sleeping with you? And Becky is stuck. Because a part of her is like, he is cute. But another part is like, uh, no. So while she's trying to get her mind together, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get the one bed trope. I've never had the one bed trope, and I wanted the one bed trope. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. And then Kai's like, I'm just kidding. It was a joke. Calm down. And then he goes on to say, if we did, there's no strings attached. It's just, you know, it is what it is. It's just for tonight. What happened? Just kidding. Because now you're not kidding anymore. Because like, I mean, if you want to, we can. You, you're not really saying nothing. I mean, uh. Kai, side eye. I'm side eyeing you. You need to watch yourself, sir. Okay, thank you. And Maggie, Maggie blurs out and says, I have someone. Someone? Well, I haven't seen anybody who is someone. Who? Other side eye. What is going on? Messy, messy. I think I know what's going on, but I'm just gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait, because I hope I'm not right. I hope, you know those times you hope you're not right? I hope I'm not right. I better not be right, okay? but. Kai took his butt to the couch and Maggie was in bed. Since Kai and Maggie have been around each other, Maggie had had some really intense dreams, okay? Like she's waking up in the middle of the night. And when we first met Kai, he said, if I go to sleep and I'm like saying something, just wake me up. Don't, don't listen to it. Just wake me up. So I'm thinking, what are you dreaming about? And if it's anything like Maggie's dreams, I'm a little worried because you've got some really dark dreams. And uh, Kai saying there's like power in dreams. Which, of course, yeah, there are power in dreams. And I'm just very much the confused. Very much the confused because these dreams are really scary. I don't know what's going on, but we will find out together. So due to a series of unfortunate events, something happened to Grandpa Ty. I will not tell you what. I shan't. Read the book. Read the book. You will either thank me for it. No, you're going to thank me for it because the story is amazing. But go read the book. Hey, you guys. So um, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel or on Facebook, you're going to see something looks a little different. Yeah. So we had some technical difficulties with some of the video clips that were shot before. So I'm going to redo them and we're going to pick back up right where we left off. Okay. So sorry, but here we go. Also, before I get started, this is Monor's setup. I am at her place of residence. Monor, say what's good. What's good? Yes. So we left with something terrible happening to Grandpa Ta and Kai being severely hurt. So now Maggie has to take Kai to Grace Goodacre's place. So her place is kind of like off to the side where nobody really is. Like it's her area. Okay, and she has her own bar. She runs her own gun business. So mama got money. 
All right. Like I said, Grace does well for herself. Grace has three kids she take care of. She talks about what happened to her husband. Go read the book. Find out all of that. Now, Mackie is planning to leave Kai behind and go take care of whatever monster and business she has to take care of. Right. But then Kai comes out and he is healed. Like for the most part, he got like a little, you can tell a little evidence something happened on his face. But for the most part, the man is healed. So this is where we find out that one of Kai's clan powers is healing. And apparently his healing powers explain why his, why his eyes go silver. But that doesn't explain what happened with the coyote. But I'm just going to let that one go because I just don't understand what happened. So Mackie feels guilty for endangering Kai. And she's like, you got to get away from me because I'm evil. I have evil inside of me. You can't be around me. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. It's me and you. I'm not going nowhere. We're partners. Maggie finally agrees to be partnered with Kai. I don't mean like in a romantic way, in like a monster hunter friends kind of way. Okay. After their little mending moment, two of Grace's kids come over, the twins. They come over and say, hey, there's a monster sighting like 20 minutes from here. So the four of them, the twins, Kai and Maggie, go to the site and <sighs> Kai pull some stuff out of nowhere. We're all just like, sir, where did this come from? So read the book and find out. But Kai, okay, Kai, I see you. Yeah. But, and what they did, put themselves in Grace's good graces forever. As they're celebrating their victory, Coyote, Mai, he comes and he tells them that they have, that he has a clue to how the monsters were made and where they can go next. So uh, Maggie and Kai apparently have to get dressed up to go here. But you know, with Grace having all the all the money and things, she had the resources, she has makeup and all this kind of stuff. Well, she didn't have the makeup. Her son, Clive, has the makeup because apparently his ex-boyfriend used to run the drag show. And when he left, he kept all the makeup and stuff. So fun. They're all dressed up. Um, Maggie is dressed as a monster slayer. Very like leathery band stuff. She's very uncomfortable, but I I know the girl look good, okay? And Kai, he's dressed kind of similar to how he came in. I can't remember exactly, but he's fancy. Ooh la la. Before they go inside, one coyote leaves. He's like, apparently I can't go in there. You know, I can't go in there. So y'all go in there and do the thing. You'll know what to do when you get inside. And Kai puts some kind of like salve over Maggie's eyes so she can see people without their human illusion. So um, like someone who has like a clan power with that gives them really strong hearing, you can see what their ears really look like. It looks like big ears that can hear far. I imagine like a dingo's ears, you know? So, <sighs> When they are inside this place, we learn two very important things. One, Coyote played them like a fiddle. Bruh, he played them dirty, dog dirty. And two, we come face to face with Nezga Hani. And it's not good. It is not good. But who? the only way I can tell you that this book ends is that we have betrayal on all sides. If you think you know what's going to happen, I promise you, you don't. I promise you, you don't. Because the betrayal, read the book, read the book, read the book. And um, prepare yourselves for the sequel, Storm of Locusts.
and that's the end of the book. Why I recommend this book? This book has a lot of Navajo cultural references. It's rich in the references in these words. Some of them I had to look up. Others, they told us what they were. And then some, I just kept reading. I was like, I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up as we go along. It's fine. It's fine. I wanted to give a shout out to Daybreak Warrior on YouTube. He teaches words in the Navajo language. And it was extremely helpful for me to like learn how to say a lot of these words. And I want, also want to give a shout out to um, Audrey from the Perpetual Pages YouTube channel. Because Daybreak Warrior did not teach me how to say Nesgahani. But... Adri, they had a another review on this book and it was wonderful. Go check out their channel. I followed them both. You guys should too. So my favorite part, I didn't see it coming. So many things I did not see coming. I usually can guess where the book is going. Usually that's kind of my, my, that's my superpower. Okay. I can guess where the book is going. For this, no clue nothing I was in the darkest of the dark and I liked it and I liked it so I love this book threw me off in every single page every turn every nook and cranny something came out the woodworks and I was not prepared for my second favorite part is Kai Kai is like the man of my dreams like he's like my boyfriend I lied drinking because... has entered the chat no I wrote that in the script I'm scripting I'm scripting I lie because Kai can't be my boyfriend because I have Captain Drake Levesque, the Captain Drake Levesque, ah, as my husband, and he don't share. So if anybody's looking for a boyfriend, you know, you can grab Kai. Read the whole book. You want him as a boyfriend? Okay, so Kai is actually, actually Kai would be a great boyfriend for Monor. So yeah, mm-hmm. If you are Kai or you know a Kai, holler at her. No, actually don't do that. I would actually like, freak out on you don't don't touch my girl i'll, I'll sit quietly or you, if you want to say your piece just let skylar vet you i guess that's fine yes <laughs> okay so my least favorite part Ms. Kahani did maggie so dirty it should be illegal even though he's an immortal god it should be legal because you cannot save a girl at 14 years old mentor her teach her become her lover and then leave her that's got to be illegal in somebody's book. I don't care what immortal, immortal God or not. That's got to be illegal. How how trash? How trash? You love them, literally love them and leave them. You know, the Jonas Brothers have a song like that. You gotta leave before you love me. There you go. Tragedies are commonplace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moral of the story. The gifts you have inside of you are tools. You choose whether they will be used for good or evil. And that is the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you for joining me this month for Native American Heritage Month. Um, We've learned a lot about Native American culture through these stories, but do not let this be the end of your education. Continue to learn, continue to listen to Native voices, continue to support Native American-owned businesses. If you have any local Native stores or businesses, make sure you support them and make sure you use your privilege wisely. As we head towards Thanksgiving, please note that this day for many Native Americans are um, is a reminder of the tragedies that their ancestors faced because of European settlers, colonizers. In 2019, Sean Sherman wrote an article in the New York Times called The Thanksgiving Tale That We Tell is a Harmful Lie. As a Native American, I found a better way to celebrate the holiday. He says, 
and I quote, many of my indigenous brothers and sisters refuse to celebrate Thanksgiving, protesting the whitewashing of the horrors our ancestors went through, and I don't blame them. But I have not abandoned the holiday. I have just changed how I practice it. Instead, we can focus on values that apply to everybody, togetherness, generosity, and gratitude. And we can make this day what everyone wants to talk and think about anyway, the food. Most of our Thanksgiving recipes are made with indigenous foods, turkey, corn, beans, pumpkin, maple, wild rice, and the likes. We should embrace this. No matter where you are in North America, you are on indigenous land. And so on this holiday and any day really, I urge people to explore a deeper connection to what are called American foods by understanding true Native American histories and begin using what grows naturally around us and to support Native American growers. There is no need to make Thanksgiving about a false past. It is much better when it celebrates the beauty of the present. That was bars. He wrote bars. He did. For days. Because mm -hmm. he said any day, really. Mm -hmm. Any day. Mm -hmm. Every day. As we celebrate in a new way, let's continue to support Native American voices, Native American-owned businesses, and using our privilege wisely. Until next time, own your own story, read to expand your mind, and I'll see you next time. Bye.